When Job's three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathise with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognise him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. And after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, May the day of my birth perish, and the night that said, A boy is conceived. That day, may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it. May gloom and utter darkness claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm it. That night, may thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any of the months. May that night be barren. May no shout of joy be heard in it. May those who curse days curse that day, those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. May its morning stars become dark. May it wait for daylight in vain, but not see the first rays of dawn, for it did not shut the doors of the womb on me to hide trouble from my eye. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Why were there knees to receive me and breasts that I could be nursed? For now, I would be lying down in peace. I would be asleep and at rest, with kings and rulers of the earth, who built for themselves places now lying in ruins, with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver. Or why was I not hidden away in the ground like a stillborn child, like an infant who never saw the light of day? There the wicked cease from turmoil, and there the weary are at rest. Captives also enjoy their ease. They no longer hear the slave driver's shout. The small and the great are there, and the slaves are freed from their owners. Why is light given to those in misery, and life to those bitter of soul? To those who long for death that does not come, who search for it more than a hidden treasure, who are filled with the gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For sighing has become my daily food, my groans pour out like water. What I feared has come upon me, what I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, but only turmoil. Welcome back to our study of Job. I'm Ian, and this is the Sailor Time to Pause podcast from Plexus Salvation Army, an online church in the UK. I will stop and breathe in your presence, just breathe, just breathe. I could barely recognise my friend. I'd never seen him like that, and I never want to see him like that again. He'd called me earlier in the day, asking me to go round, yet when I got there, there'd been no answer when I'd knocked, but the door was open, so I let myself in. And what I found is something I'll remember my whole life, for I found my friend in his lounge, curled up against his radiator, sobbing. All six foot four inches of him, 
and yet he looked so small. He'd clearly been there and been in that state for a while. His crying had tied him out, and when he looked up to see who'd come in, there was such an emptiness behind his eyes that it didn't even really seem like his face. For an eternity, he didn't speak. He simply stayed curled in a ball on the floor while his tears flowed endlessly. I'd seen my friend suffering before. He'd been living with depression for a while and usually his medication helped, but that day was the worst I'd known. I just want to die. They were the first words he'd spoken and I believed him. I didn't think he had the energy to do anything about it to make it happen, but yes, I believed him. I didn't want to hear it and I didn't want to believe it, but I did. He wanted to die and he wished he'd never been born. That night he said many things that I didn't want to hear. Hard things for a friend to have to listen to. And he said many more things that I disagreed with. In other circumstances, I would likely have argued with him and told him that I wasn't prepared to listen to such words. But now that didn't seem appropriate. Now that he'd started to speak, he just seemed to need to express the truth of how he was feeling. However unpalatable to others, or even to him, those feelings were. The darkness he was feeling that night was a darkness I have never experienced. He could see no light. Depression can be a dreadful illness. It can destroy a person from the inside. The darkness he was feeling in that moment was, I believe, far deeper than any darkness I have ever felt. Deeper even than the darkness I felt when I first tasted real grief when my mum died. At that time, I can remember when my grief was still quite raw. There were certainly days that I couldn't be bothered doing anything. There were days when I wondered what the point of everything was and days when I didn't quite know what I was doing and just wandered around in a bit of a daze. Yet that darkness was not comparable to that which my friend was feeling as my darkness was not total because there was still some light in my darkness. The light of knowing that my mum hadn't been scared to face death because she knew her saviour lived. The light of knowing that I was in the heart of a loving family with my dad and sister and sister-in-law. And the light of knowing that I was also part of a loving church family and that I was being supported in prayer and remembered. Those glimmers of light meant so much to me. But that night, as I sat there on my friend's sofa, I had no idea what to do. I don't really think I had anything to offer him other than my presence. I stayed with him just so that he knew he was not alone. I'm not sure there was anything else I could do. So I merely sat with him in silence, being there and trying to be a friend. Job's friends too sat in silence. When they first arrived, Job was too full of shock and terror to speak. All he could do was to sit in pain. I imagine that they felt as helpless as I had, so that they too sat silently. They cry with him. They stayed in silence with him for a week. That shows that they really care. They don't try to talk. They simply share in his pain and tears. 
Sometimes that's all that people want. Someone to take time to be with them. Someone to cry with. Sometimes it's someone to hug and at other times it's someone to sit off to the side. Sometimes that can be the best way to show God's love. Not bringing answers, but bringing something more profound. Bringing your companionship to meet their pain and mitigate its solitude. And when Job finally does speak, all that he speaks is pain. It makes uncomfortable reading to us, and it must have made uncomfortable listening to his friends, for it's difficult when people speak out. It's difficult when people give voice to all their anguish and let it pour out. It's difficult when people let you feel their darkness. They may say things that we know are not right. Perhaps they hit out at God, but when they do, we need to feel their pain, not correct their expression of it. Job says some awful things. Let the day of my birth be erased, annihilated along with the night when it was announced. It's a boy. If only that day had never happened. If only he was never born. If only he'd been stillborn. If only his first breath had also been his last. Job lets us into his emotions so that we may feel just how bad it is for him. Life is so terrible that death seems lovely to Job. Why will God not let him die? Job feels as if God has put a hedge round him to make sure that he doesn't die. Life is like a prison. God feeds him pain and tears and he will not let Job rest. Yet, even in the depths of his darkness, Job was able to recognise that some light still shone. Job still has his faith in God. He may curse the day of his birth, but he still does not curse the God who formed him in his mother's womb, brought him out and gave him his first breath. Spiritual turmoil is not a sign that we failed in faith. It's not evidence that we're not walking closely with God if periods of winter darkness enter our lives. Many Christians have seen their own experiences imaged in Job's lament. Job was inspired to express his anguish here so that in whatever darkness we may face, we might know that other faithful believers have passed through conflicts and desolations as deep, if not deeper, than their own. Dispeace, disquiet and turmoil are not the defining traits of a heart in rebellion towards God. Allow me a brief illustration. If you've ever been inside during a power cut at night, you'll know that when the lights suddenly go out, everything is dark. Everything that was in the room the moment before is still there, even though you cannot see anything. It's like that for Job. Everything is dark. There's no comfort, no joy, no hope, no peace, no quiet, no rest, just pain. But even though he cannot see it, Job knows that the reality does not change just because things become dark. Though he can no longer sense it, yet still he knows somewhere within himself that God must be there, even though all that he can feel is an all-encompassing darkness. Yet, what if there's a still deeper darkness? Job is able to recognise that light still shines. What if there was a darkness where no light shines? I can think of only one moment in living history where that could be said. 
and only one person who experienced it, Jesus. And after he'd been hanging on the cross for six hours, we hear him say these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this was a real forsaking. Jesus did not merely feel forsaken. He was forsaken, and not only by his disciples, but by God himself. And now when he had cried, God had closed his ears. Jesus knew what suffering was, for he'd been slowly suffocating since his hands and feet had been nailed to the wood and the upright dropped into place. Jesus knew ordeal, for he'd been flogged and made to carry his cross on his broken and bleeding back to the place where he was now being executed. Jesus knew what darkness felt like, for he'd faced overwhelming sorrow alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yet this moment was far beyond all those others, for at this moment the Father turned away. The sun ceased to shine and Jesus felt the darkness of hell. Now he is tasting it in all its bitterness, and the reality is infinitely worse than the prospect in the garden. Never before had anything come between him and his father, but now the sin of the whole world has come between them, and he's caught in the dreadful vortex of eternal darkness. As Jesus took our sin upon his shoulders, the Trinity disowned itself. The Christ, who is love incarnate, experienced the total dereliction of love. God the Father forsook his Son. God the Son became fatherless. Love disclaimed love. All for us and for our salvation. God wants us to understand what hell's darkness truly is. What it feels like so that we may never have to feel it for ourselves. That's why these stories are recorded in the Bible. And yet even the vividly expressed pain of Job cannot go far enough. Even in the deepest level of suffering we can imagine, even in the depths of Job's greatest suffering, with all that he has and all that he is swept away by Satan's attacks, the darkness which he feels is but a suggestion of the darkness Jesus felt upon that cross of the darkness that is, in one moment, an eternity of separation from God. But the good news of the gospel is that we never need to face that total darkness. In Christ, on the cross, our triune God himself entered into our sinful separation to make it possible for us to be brought back into participation in the life of love for which we were created. As Jesus cries out from the cross, he stands where none has stood before or since, enduring at one tiny point in space and in one tiny moment of time all that sin deserved in unmitigated concentration. The cup he had feared to sip in Gethsemane, he now drains, and he drinks the full measure and the punishment for sin is meted out. In this life, we may suffer greatly. There may even be moments where, like Job or my friend, we cannot see any light or any hope, though I pray that you never do experience such times. 
yet we need never face that eternal darkness. Jesus went through the sheer agony so that you and I would never have to be separated from his Father. Jesus took our place so that we might take his. Even though through our sin we've forsaken God, God has never forsaken us. Even though we may have been forsaken by others, God has never forsaken us. Even though we may have forsaken others ourselves, God has never forsaken us. God loves us too much to ever forsake us, and it was out of his love for us that Jesus, God made man, was forsaken in our place. As Martin Luther said, who can understand such love? This is the gospel. Jesus forsaken under the judgment of my sins, while I am never forsaken, held daily in the everlasting arms of the warm love of God. Those of us who know Jesus and have placed our trust in him can know that no suffering we may face will be eternal. There will always be light, always be hope, always be faith, always be love. Because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, no darkness need ever be total, and no darkness need last forever. Whenever we feel alone, abandoned, like we've hit rock bottom, Christ has already been there. We cannot plumb the depths of despair any further than Christ did. He was deserted that we might never be deserted. He was abandoned that we might never be abandoned. He was forsaken that we might never be forsaken. He tasted death so that we might experience life. Praise him that he took hell's darkness instead of us. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure Ashamed to hear my mocking
This has been Sailor Time to Pause, a podcast from Plexus Salvation Army, an online church in the UK. I'm Ian. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Sam. If you've enjoyed journeying with us over these last few weeks, join us every Monday. Or any day that works for you. To spend time together, taking time out to pause, catch our breath, draw near to God and refresh our spirits. We share Bible teachings, reflections on songs we're listening to, and on what's going on in the world around us. As well as this, on the last day of the month, we look back and reflect, share any thoughts from our listener community and ask what we can take from it into our daily living. What we call our personal So What's for the month. Join us, making us part of your regular routine, spending a few minutes to listen to what God might be saying to you. Find us on your favourite podcast streaming service. On Facebook. Or YouTube. By searching for Selah. That's S-E-L-A-H. Time to pause.